0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: All right, I think we are rolling well. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you again for taking the time to do this. And just to get started, I want to let you know one thing that comes across in all of your content on the podcast, YouTube, Instagram, and everything is your positivity. It's like oh. radiant. you know what I mean? <laughs> your energy is just undeniable. It's something that I really appreciate, but- I want to go all the way back to how this all got started, because I know that you've been doing the teaching thing for over a decade now, but that's not where you started and it was something very different. So can you kind of take me back to the beginning of your professional career and how you ended up working for NASA of all organizations?
2: Sure, sure. Thank you. First, thank you so much uh, for having me. I'm honored that you asked me, Tony, and I appreciate the compliment as well. I'm glad that that is what is coming across whenever someone sees me on camera or hears a podcast from me. Um, To answer your question, Tony, so yes, I did work for NASA. My major, when I was in college, I graduated in 2004 and I had a double major. I had computer science was one of my majors and also commercial art. So I combined the two and I became a web developer for NASA upon graduating from college. And it was a great job. Great coworkers, great boss. I'm still in contact with some of my coworkers. My boss was amazing. He was just a great guy. So it was an amazing place to work at. Uh, the environment was amazing. And I was fulfilled in many aspects, but there was one aspect that I was not being fulfilled in and it had nothing to do with NASA. It was more of my goal in life is to help as many people as I possibly can and at that time, I felt like I could help even more. Even though I was doing well in my job, I loved my coworkers and my boss, I wanted to do more. So that's in a nutshell what led me to quit my job at NASA.
1: Now, I'm curious to know what your parents do for a living. And is that at all tied to your mission to help as many people as you can? Or is it faith based? Or where does that drive come from?
2: It's faith based. Okay. So. I am actually a Seventh-day Adventist. I have been a Christian my entire life. And that is, and was, is, and will always be the driving force, that desire to help as many people as possible. And Tony, it goes to, you know, when I study the word of God and I see how Jesus treated people when he was on the earth, my goal is to have the same effect on people while I'm here on this earth. I want to make people's lives better help them achieve their goals, and just make the world a better place. So it is definitely Mm faith-based. Jesus and God, they've made such a great impact on my life. I want other people to experience the same joy that I experience every day.
1: Um, What about your parents? What what line of work were they in when you were growing up or when you were at university?
2: So my mother is in the medical profession, and my father was in computers. So Uh, he actually was in the military for 30 years, so he worked with planes. But he also worked at IBM. So that's where the computer side came in. My dad worked computers okay. for several years for IBM.
1: I see. What branch of the, the military was he in? Air Force. Okay. You never considered joining the force?
2: So I am, um, I have always been extremely athletic. Like I was the most athletic at my university. It was the most athletic in my entire high school. So I've always been extremely athletic, excuse me, in my high school class. Um, but. That just wasn't the path that I was supposed to go down. I thought about it, but yeah, I just decided not to go down that route.
1: It's interesting. And going back to the NASA thing, this is something I really wanted to ask you about. Because when I think of NASA, I mean, (laughs) typically you think of spaceships, rockets, and everybody walking around with the blue jumpers and stuff like that, but you were doing web development. So, I mean, was it just like working in a normal office environment? Was there anything special or unique about working for NASA specifically?
2: Now, when you say special and unique, do you wanna
1: I mean you it's different like, from uh, what somebody might expect working at a, a traditional tech company or in a traditional office?
2: So I would say with NASA, of course, we have the space aspect, which is again, you know, what everyone likes, including myself. Mm-hmm. Um My department, yes, we were the tech. So if you just walked into the building, it would have looked like, oh, okay, this is the department that has computers in it. We had our web developers. We had our designers. I mean, we had illustrators that used to work at Disney. So it was a a very interesting group of people together, very talented and um, very skilled at what they did. My actual building, if you walked in, you would just see individuals sitting down at their computers. Hmm. Uh, The projects we were working on, though, were connected with what NASA is known for. So, for Mm -hmm. example, I was assigned to a certain sector of NASA. And as you know, for web development and web design, like a website displays information connected to a company or connected to a specific department of a company. Mm -hmm. I was tasked with managing a certain sector of NASA and that website for NASA. Some of our websites were internal and some of them were external. So a part of what I was developing was external and a part of it was internal.
1: Mm-hmm. And so how long were you there at working at NASA?
2: I actually started my internship with them. So I was an intern with them when I was in college for about, I think it was on two years. And then when I came out, I actually worked for them for two years.
1: Okay. Okay. So four years total. So you, when you left NASA, you were how old?
2: I was 20, one second, 22, about 23 or 24.
1: 24 years old, which is a really interesting time to make such a, uh, I don't know if I should say drastic, but a pretty big career shift to go from tech and working at NASA to then decide you want to go into teaching. Now, neither one of your parents were teachers. So where did you, how did you go from web development at NASA to deciding, you know what, I want to teach people how to speak English?
2: Very good question. So yes, it was a very big decision. I'm the youngest in my family. I have two older sisters. So being the youngest, I graduated, I bought my house. I had a good job. My parents were like, we've done a good job. We've done our job. We're done. So I still remember the day I called them to tell them I was quitting. There was a pause. My mom said, oh, okay. Okay. My family, we are very close. We talk multiple times a day. So we're extremely close family. And my dad, he calls me baby girl, even though I'm 40 now, he's like, baby girl, I'm not sure that's God speaking to you. (laughs) And (laughs) of course we laugh about it now, um, but I'll never forget that day because again, at the age I'm at right now, I can see how that, that was a shocker to them. Right. Um, But to answer your question, I didn't quit NASA to teach. Um, I actually quit NASA again, going back to my desire was to help more people. And it was very connected to my faith. And I felt like God was leading me to quit my job so that he could use me more in another area. I'm not gonna lie to you, Tony. I also was a bit confused, but something that every friend that you'll meet, one of my friends, family members, anyone that knows me well, they'll tell you that I love God and I'll follow his leading wherever he leads. Even if it doesn't make sense to me at the time, I'll follow his leading. So it didn't make sense to me at the time, But I didn't question it. I said, okay, this is what you want me to do. And I did it. So I didn't leave to teach. I left because God was leading me somewhere else with the end goal being helping more people. So actually, there was a time period of about 12 months before I went to South Korea to become an English teacher Mm -hmm. during that 12-month period. So I'm actually, I'm also an artist. I actually was painting for that 12-month period, uh, selling my paintings prior to going to South Korea. So I was doing that, again, with the end goal, trying to help more people, trying to help people understand how amazing it is to have this strong relationship with God and how God wants us to care about each other. It's really Mm -hmm. about helping other people, not being such, um, uh, you don't want to be a selfish person. You want to be a person that helps other people. So I was trying to share that with others, and I was doing it through art. Then the call to go to Korea, and I was actually an English missionary. So I taught English at a Christian institute in South Korea, and we taught English, and we also offered Bible classes in English. Mm. So I was actually an English missionary. So when I went to Korea, prior to going to Korea, I was not aware of the fact that I had a skill for teaching because I never was a teacher. Um, However, when I got to Korea and started doing it, that's when I realized, oh, there's something here.
1: And that's another thing I was so excited to talk to you about because I know <laughs> nothing about South Korea and mm. I just I've heard many stories about Asia in general and especially stories from the black community going over to Asia and having some let's call them unique experiences. So I'm curious what was the culture shock like for you and what were your first impressions when you got there?
2: Man, okay, so when I got first got there it was nice. It was very interesting. Again, it's the very opposite of America. So when I first got there, we, we landed and we, again, there was a large group of us, not from the same state, but we were part of the group that was going to be trained. So there are about 40 or 50 of us from different parts of America and also some from South Africa and some from England. Um, so we were still together as foreigners. So it really wasn't an immediate culture shock because you were together with other English speakers mm-hmm. during the training period. The food in the beginning was took a little bit of time to get used to. Not everything, because Korean food is really good. There were just a few things that were different from what I was used to, um, but it was fine. And now I love Korean food a lot. As time progressed, that's when the culture shock started hitting. Um, so, for example, the first one, um, again, my personality, I'm, I'm an extrovert, but I also have, I'm an ambivert actually, I have both sides, but I am a leader. So, and I love helping people and I love organizing things. So when I got there, they asked after a, about a month or two, they're like, okay, we see that you have this talent for organizing things. Can you help us organize? Or they made me a manager after being there, a manager of other um, teachers that were there. And I was used to leading But I was an African-American female, about 27 years old, in a culture that is based on age and men being the top of the, per se, totem pole, right? Mm -hmm. That is a culture shock for a woman coming from America that is not used to age nor gender being a big issue when it comes Mm -hmm. to getting a job done. So I experienced that was my first major culture shock. Because I was working, I was the manager of other foreign teachers, Americans and British individuals, but my bosses were older Korean men, 40s, 50s, 60s. That didn't phase me because I felt like we were relating to each other based on our positions, but we weren't. Mm. That was the biggest culture shock for me because we started butting heads a bit, but then I had to learn more about the culture and realize this has nothing to do with me as a person. This is their culture. So, the same challenges I was experiencing, why I was being told that I couldn't do certain things because they didn't put it into words, but again, I was younger than them, was the same challenges they were experiencing having this quote unquote young individual telling uh-huh. them things that they need to be done. So, living in another country that is opposite of yours, as far as the culture aspect, it helps you grow so much because you have to understand other people and realize just because we don't think the same way does not mean I'm wrong, nor they're wrong. We just have to understand how to exist together. So I learned a lot. It was a very big culture shock, but I learned a lot about Koreans and I learned to be more understanding and to realize this is your country. I can't change you. So let me just kind of go with the flow and figure out how to maneuver and work with you. So that was the first culture shock. Um, I don't know if you had a question. I, I was going to give you one more, but- I didn't No, know no, please, want. please, go ahead. I think the other culture shock um, that ended up not being as much of a culture shock, because again, being African-American, right? We go overseas and there's this stereotype related to African-American people. I speak Korean. So once I started learning Korean and actually speaking the language well, Many times when we were sitting on the, say, metro, on the, like, inside of the bus or in the train station, people would stare, right? And before I could speak Korean, it just seemed like someone staring at you, pointing at you, and talking about you in a negative way because you weren't able to understand what they were saying. After I learned how to speak Korean, same situations, but they were literally saying, oh, my goodness, It's a black person. Their hair. Wow. It's so unique. I've never seen a hairstyle like that. So you see how the smile came on your face immediately. They're not really they're really just curious because Mm -hmm. they're even though, yes, there are quite a few black people in South Korea near the military base. When you go to the outskirts of the city or different parts of South Korea that foreigners aren't really kind of seen too often in. You're going to get those stares and those points. But when you understand, they're really not saying anything negative about you. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of 10, like once I could speak the language, I was like, oh, this is really not a bad situation. I had one situation I'll never forget. I walked into a train packed, like New York City type packed, Mm -hmm. shoulder to shoulder. And there was a group of teenagers, probably about maybe nine or 10 teenagers. And I walked onto the train and they were right kind of next to me. They didn't know I could speak Korean. I said, let me just sit and observe. So they were all looking at me and kind of talking and like chuckling or pointing. But I understood what they were saying. Literally, oh my gosh, I've only seen a black person in a movie. Look, (laughs) she's here. And I think I might've had an Afro. Like they were just being kids. So I let them get their comments out. And then I turned and I started speaking to them in Korean. And they were like, oh my goodness. And like, Mm. you could see their faces light up. So and I talked to them for a while and in my head, I said, this is going to be their first experience with a black person and it's going to be a positive experience. So what is considered a culture shock because we don't speak the language in actuality, it's just their They just don't know about black people. So many Absolutely. times, nine times out of 10, there is always an exception to the rule. I've had other friends that have had negative experiences they really weren't saying anything negative. They were just very mm-hmm. curious. They had never seen a black person in person. and They just were curious.
1: Yeah, so. Most of the time, that's what it is, right? And that's the beauty, I think, about traveling is you kind of, if you're open-minded enough, you get to get immersed in a different culture and you understand a lot of stuff that you thought or heard about. It's just nonsense that people are repeating a bunch of times because they heard somebody else say it. When you can go and experience it for yourself, you see like, ah, nah. Most of the time, it's not hatred-based. It's nothing malicious. Exactly. They're just like literally which is crazy for us to think that people never seen a black person I know, in real I know. life before even to this <laughs> day that blows my mind man so i think that's one yeah. reason that americans in general we probably don't travel enough i get the impression that we're so like yes focused on what's going on inside our borders but we don't really get out enough and for that reason we're kind of clueless i think that's maybe true for a yeah. lot of people around the world we're kind of clueless and we make all these assumptions but once yes. you can finally leave your home you see like, man, people are just people. And you probably do the same thing to people you're curious about whenever you leave the house. It's not like always about hatred or discrimination. It's just like you don't know. And if you're a lot of times people are also afraid to say something. So they just naturally just look at you like, damn, that's crazy. And if you're insecure, (laughs) and like you said, you don't speak the language. You're like, man, these people hate me. Like I shouldn't be here. And it's just all in your head, man. That's exactly true. It's very true.
2: It's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Koreans are great it's interesting I also noticed something about Koreans so as black people we love food we love being together and we love music Koreans Absolutely. love food being <laughs> together and they love music so it's so interesting to my Korean friends I said you guys don't realize you're more like us than you think 100%. like they really can cook very well mm-hmm. as we can they they enjoy music just as much and they enjoy just being together like they're really family oriented so very interesting it's very interesting.
1: You were doing the missionary thing at first when you first arrived in Korea, but did you do that for the entire 10 years or did you start working at a school or what was your time like there?
2: So, yes and no. And I'll explain. So when I got there, um, I was a missionary English teacher. I was always involved with the mission throughout my 10 years there. Um, In my second year of being there, I let them know, hey, I want to speak Korean. I want to study Korean. And they arranged my schedule to where I would study in the morning at the university. Um, paying out of my own pocket. And in the evening, I would teach my classes. It got to be a little bit overwhelming once I moved up in the levels because Korean is not the easiest language to learn. So um, long story short for that part, I was informed about this Korean government scholarship. Very hard to get. Long six to eight month process. It's very hard to get this. So I, I got the scholarship. And the scholarship setup was they pay for you to get your education and they give you a monthly stipend. So that was a two and a half year period in the midst of me being the missionary English teacher. So when I got the scholarship, I actually spent two and a half years going to school and then I was able to get a master's degree um, as part of the scholarship program in Oriental painting. And but during that time, I was still going to the same institute that had a church connected to it and I was still. Going to church there and then helping with the mission work. So I wasn't being paid by the school, but I was still doing mission work and helping with their English program at the same time I was studying. So that's kind of where it kind of overlapped a bit.
1: I think it's safe to say you are a very driven individual. I noticed that even before we started talking, I could just tell, like, even the way you structure all your content, the consistency and everything about it, you seem to be, there's something clearly driving you forward. So I'm curious to know how you went from working and doing the missionary work, teaching at schools and stuff like that, to stepping out on your own and starting your own business? Because it's a completely different ballgame when you're responsible for the marketing, the branding, the sales, customer relations, and just working for a school. So what motivated you to make the shift?
2: Um, So, yes, I am a very driven person. I actually have always had an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, I was nine years old back in the day before all of technology was out. I was going door to door selling pictures and paintings. So (laughs) I've always been an entrepreneur. Um, But what happened is during the last six months of my time in Korea, I graduated, had gotten my master's degree um, in oriental painting. And I was trying to decide if I was going to come back to America and become an art professor because I realized teaching was one of my talents mm. or if I was going to continue with the YouTube um, channel um, at that time, I had started the YouTube channel because about mm, maybe a year and a half prior to that time, my the institute, I went back to help them after I got my master's degree. I went back to officially being a missionary English teacher full time. Mm-hmm. My boss at the time recognized that I had a passion for teaching. And we had students that were graduating from our program, but they wanted to come back and continue studying, but we had no curriculum for them. So Mm -hmm. my boss, a Korean gentleman, he approached me and said, Tiff, would you create a curriculum for them? I was like, no problem. It wasn't any extra pay. I've just always enjoyed setting up plans, study plans and helping people get to a certain level. So I created this entire curriculum and we tested it out for two months. And in a two month period, My students went from not being able to give a speech up front. They could speak English, but at the end of that two-month period, they were each able to give a 15-minute speech in English with no notes at all, things that even Americans struggle to do. And so when that happened, I realized something's here. And again, it goes back to the continual thought that goes through my mind. I want to help more people. So when I saw that those 10 students were able to accomplish that in two months, I thought to myself, oh, I can help more Koreans. Mm -hmm. Let me go to this YouTube thing. (laughs) So I started a YouTube channel and put the same lessons that I had taught them on Mm -hmm. the YouTube channel again because I was a web developer, tech and design. Those are things that I already knew how to do as far as like using them on the platform. Yeah. What I realized though was that YouTube was not just going to shooting content to Koreans. I have students now in Africa and different parts of um India. It was trickling in, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So prior to coming back to America. Again, it all goes back to my relationship with God. My whole goal is to help people. So I always go back to God. God, what do you want me to do? Now, remember there was a seven day period praying and asking God, I have two options. I can go back to America, become an art professor, or I can continue with this YouTube channel and you'll take it wherever it goes. Just to give you context, at the time I prayed, The YouTube channel was bringing in maybe $50 a month, and I had been online for several months. It was bringing not even enough to (laughs) put gas in my car for a month. Mm -hmm. But I said, God, what do you want me to do? Once again, though, I mentioned earlier, if God tells me to do it, I don't question it. I just follow. And at the end of that seven-day period, a Korean television company that I had never contacted sent me a message and said, we found you on YouTube. Mind you, I was only making $50 a month. So it wasn't like I was huge on YouTube. And long story short, they wanted to put my content on Korean television. So
1: no, shit.
2: fast forward, we signed a three-year contract. They gave me enough money to come back to America to start the business. So it was basically the sign I needed at the end of that seven-day period. This is where you want me to go, God. Uh, I didn't see how he was going to use it to bless people or I, I really want people to understand like the beauty of being a Christian. He said, just follow me and I'll take care of everything. So that's why I started the company coming back to America. That's why I started speaking English with Tiffany. All because I wanted to help people. God said, this is what I need you to do. Fast forward, we're at 2.2 million subscribers. 2.2 I think.
1: million subscribers. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. So th- yeah. they just sent you a random email and said, "Hey, we love your content. We want to put it on national television." It was as simple as that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> literally. That oh, like, literally, no way, which is why I knew it was God. Because again, they, I had be. never even seen the channel. They're like, "Yeah, we saw your content. We wanted to know: can we sign a, a um content to, uh contract to distribute content on the?" television broadcast station I was like is this a joke <laughs> right but I met with them went to the office met with them we talked signed contracts and everything yeah
1: so you must be like a superstar in Korea at this point
2: that's the interesting thing Tony so I get stopped I'm in America I get stopped periodically mm-hmm. um but then I can tell you my audience is probably about 0.5 percent Korean No shit. Right. (laughs) So that also shocked me as the channel continued to grow. Again, understanding the power of YouTube. Mm -hmm. And as I'll encourage whoever's listening, if you have an idea, start a YouTube channel. Start it because you have a desire to help people. And whatever niche you want to do it in, that's fine. But YouTube is literally a way to touch so many people around the world. So I honestly, if I, I have to go to Korea later on this year, and I'm sure I'll get stopped. But I still get stopped in America in my own neighborhood because there are students from, I have students literally from every country you can think about. And many Mm -hmm. of them are immigrants living in America because I focus on um, intermediate and advanced English learners. Mm -hmm. So many of them can speak English, but they're not able to express themselves like we can. So I'm just helping them kind of get over that little hump. So Yeah, I do get recognized and I'll I'll take a picture and talk to them and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's cool. I'm sure that's very humbling, man. I mean, to think that you just started posting just videos like any other person on the internet and year five, 10 years later, it's like people stop you in the streets just to tell you how much that you've helped them. Man, it's it's incredible. And that's actually what I want to ask you about as well, because there might be somebody listening, no matter what language they speak, maybe they want to... um, they want to start a a YouTube channel or they want to teach languages specifically English, even more specifically, what recommendations would you give to somebody starting in 2023, especially if they have the mindset where it's like, no, but the market's too saturated. It's too hard. It's not going to work. The time has already passed. What words of advice might you give generally speaking to somebody like that?
2: The first thing I would say is initially I had the same thoughts. When I first started on YouTube, the English teachers that were there were amazing. They're still amazing to this day. Now I'm where they were in the sense that we're all at the same level now. Almost mm-hmm. the same number of subscribers of the people that when I started, they were already there. And the reason I'm saying that is wow. because English is always going to be needed. Those teachers are still amazing. I still where I'm at right now, I still suggest those teachers to my students. Mm-hmm. It's important when you're coming into a new market. When you focus on what you can bring to the market, what makes you unique? And don't worry about other individuals. Everything will work out fine. Um, I think that's something that made me quite unique when I started. I didn't care what anyone else was doing because I knew that I could help my students in a unique way. Mm -hmm. And anything that was not my skill, I pointed them to another English teacher. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're willing to help your students in any way you possibly can not trying just to hold them to yourself you're going to be blessed because you're looking to help the student the student is the focus not yourself so the market yes there are a lot of teachers but there are also what six or seven billion people in this world yep. so there are some students that still need your help to speak english and as long as you are passionate that's one thing i tell individuals when they ask me about YouTube. Um, whether they're English teachers or not, I tell them with YouTube, it's a slow start. But then all of a sudden it hits this <laughs> exponential growth. Yep. And the only way that you'll continue in those low points or those points where you're not making any money or you're not seeming to get as many views as you'd like is when you keep the focus. Why did you start? If you start to help people, you'll be okay. So if you want to start, figure out why. Yeah. What do you want to help students do? What is your main focus? And keep that in mind and just go for it.
1: 100%. Just And really having like realistic expectations about how long it's going to take. Honestly, not even really thinking about the time limit because you never know if it's going to be one year or five years or 10 years to get to where you imagine you want to be. I think just understanding that it's really more about the process of getting better and better and better at the content you make or the lessons that you're putting out or whatever it may be, that's so much more important because I find that everything, all your problems and everything you want in life kind of gets solved by just being the best at whatever it is that you Mm -hmm. do and letting the rest kind of take care of itself. But Mm -hmm. apart from the content itself, especially if you're working for yourself, there's like the business aspect, which doesn't come naturally to everybody. Not all of us at like nine years old, are knocking on doors and selling things. And so I think what that also stops a lot of people or it's the reason that a lot of people kind of fall off just because mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have the best business sense. So for you, did you ever study formally or is there anybody that you might point to in terms of like learning about business or what would you recommend that somebody does if they've got the creative side or the passion mm-hmm. or the skill, but maybe not necessarily the entrepreneurial spirit?
2: Great question. Um, so I can... Suggest a few channels that are really mm-hmm. good. There are a ton of books, as tons of books as well. Um, first, Ali Abdal, I started listening, <laughs> watching his YouTube channel maybe about three, two or three years ago when he was mm-hmm. quite young. He was studying to be a medical doctor, but now fast forward, this young man is doing amazing things. But yep. his content is so good because he is naturally a teacher, mm-hmm. so he gives you the information you need in a very clear and concise way, and you can take it and apply it and see results. So Ali Abdal. Is one YouTube channel I would suggest um, your listeners checking out if they are looking for business tips and business advice. Um, it depends on the type of business advice they're looking for. Mm, but another true. book that I read well over 20 years ago, Rich Dad Poor Dad, is also another important book because it talks about changing your viewpoint of money and wealth. Um, let me try to think of another book. Oh, another book that I re- I've read multiple times, The E-Myth Revisited. Oh,
1: fantastic book. Fantastic.
2: I, it's amazing. So that is one of the books that I really, I go back to it periodically just to read it mm-hmm. over and over again. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now to see <laughs> another one that I can. Um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I read that also several years ago, uh, probably two decades ago as well. But if someone is not naturally, um, say, a diligent individual or not naturally focused and they're trying Mm -hmm. to be more of a focused individual, um, that's an excellent book, Um, as well as there's another book on habits that's quite popular. It's not coming to mind right now. Atomic
1: Habits? Yes, Atomic
2: Atomic Habits. That's a Mm -hmm. good one as well. So, yeah, those are things they can kind of read and also channels they can check out that will help them.
0: Only at Sleep Number Stores or Sleepnumber.com.
1: Now let's talk about the life of a, a content creator in general, because a lot of people I think have misconceptions about what a YouTuber or a podcaster does all day. And you mm-hmm. seem to be like very, like you said, you love organizing things and making plans and everything. So I imagine you are very diligent with your routine because I'm sure you know, like habits basically form your daily experience over time. So what is like a typical day? look like for Tiffany?
2: So, um, I actually, yes, I'm very organized. I, I am doing a lot and I've had people ask me, how do you manage your time? So I'll give you, it's actually based on a monthly schedule that I have. Okay. So I base it on a basic four week, uh, month. Sometimes we have five weeks, but a four week month. Um, the one week, week one is my recording week. I record Every single video you see of me online, whether it be Instagram, whether it be YouTube, whether it be Facebook, every single video is recorded a month in advance during a five day period, so there's one week of just recording, mm-hmm. and what that does is called like batch recording, yep, so it's a very good way of like your mind getting to this zone. This is the week we record everything, so that mm-hmm. week, morning to afternoon slash evening, just recording everything, and this is literally probably 50 videos so a lot of videos are being recorded but again i've been kind of tweaking this system for a while and it Mm -hmm. works well now so that's week one week four i'm going backwards week four is my organizing week so Mm -hmm. i organize everything that i'll be recording the following week All all of the information um i have an assistant that she creates like my pdfs right but um, I have a system set up where everything that I need for my week one videos is organized in week four of the previous month. Mm-hmm. So what happens is week two and week three. Week two is my rest week. So week two, because, again, I've been going organizing. it's a lot of mental, like a mental, not stress, a lot of mental work during the organizing Absolutely. Week. Then you get to week one, and it's a lot of physical work. Like so It's a lot to be on camera for. Several hours a day back to back to back, lights and cameras and thinking and everything of that nature. So, when I get to week two, I need to kind of reset. So, I use week two as my reset week. I don't schedule any meetings, I don't schedule any classes with my students at all. That's the week for me to kind of feel more rejuvenated. Mm -hmm. And then, week three is the week I work on my business. For example, meetings like this meeting or interviews, uh, meetings or interviews. Or something that I wanted to figure out that I didn't like that happened last month with the video. I want to tweak some things. Week three is the week that I work on my business. And then the cycle just continues. So each each week, each day of each week has a certain setup. So day three of week four li- looks different from day three of week one. But it's a system that took me a while to set up, but now it runs like a well-oiled engine.
1: Mm. And so out, let's, let's just say more or less, how long do you think it took you to get to this point where you really feel like, okay, I know exactly what I'm doing, and I've got the machine running the way I want it?
2: So prior to this system, I had another system.
1: Mm, okay. That system,
2: <laughs> again, just helping you understand, literally, <laughs> Tony, this is, has been how my mind has worked my entire life. I remember being in fifth grade. I was making plans wow. in fifth grade. We'd have a test. I'd literally outline the entire chapter, highlighting bullet points in fifth grade. Got to college. I was the one everyone called to get the study guide Mm -hmm. for the test. I was just handing them out. And I'm saying this because when you recognize what makes you unique, that becomes your quote unquote superpower. Mm -hmm. Whatever makes you unique, something that you might not have even realized. I didn't realize this until I started the YouTube channel and students started pointing out, "Oh, we love your study guys." And I was like, "Oh, I had been doing it my entire life, even in Korea." But that's when I realized, "Ah, this what is what makes me unique." Other teachers have their unique qualities, but this is what makes me unique. So, again, understanding that's how I teach. Literally, I'm looking at my wall in my office, there are plans all on my wall. Calendars for the year, calendars for the month, calendars for the week, like literally broken down. So, I've always had a system. I've never, I cannot work in a disorganized fashion ever. Mm -hmm. My students will tell you, I have literally never been late for a meeting, ever. A meeting, a class, never. Like I just don't operate in disorganization. I don't operate in not knowing what's going on. And that's Mm -hmm. been a benefit. Students love it, of course. Um, So I've never not had a system. Um, The system prior to this was based on a weekly format. But as I continued to grow, I was getting burned out. Because every week, like recording every week. So Thursdays were my recording days. Fridays were my video editing days. But that wasn't giving me any leeway or any room to go on vacation or any room to, hey, uh, an emergency happened. Mm -hmm. Now, I literally have the second week of the month. That's when I can go on vacation if I want to and not have to worry about anything. The videos are done. They're already scheduled on every platform. No one needs me in an urgent way. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to go out. So I've always had a system to develop this system. It wasn't, it was more of learning as I went on. So for some people, it might happen in three months. For some, it might take three years. It's all dependent upon how you work and managing like your energy, mental energy, physical energy. How do you feel? Are you burnt out? Stop. Take a step back and see how you can kind of come back and relate. I mean, do a different system or make another system.
1: And that sounds like golden advice for language learners as well, because it sounds so similar to the in the sense that a lot of I'm sure you get messages all the time about what's the right way to learn English, how long is it going to take, et cetera, et cetera, when it really does kind of depend on the individual. And that, what you were saying kind of made me wonder what your philosophy is or what you're looking for in the ideal student, especially as an organized person who is very diligent and you like things to be done a certain way. I'm sure, you know, not all students have this same mentality. So in terms of like the student that is for you, what type of qualities are you typically looking for?
2: For me, first, a willing heart. You have to be willing to work hard mm-hmm. and want like willing heart and desire to actually achieve a certain goal. If you're willing to work hard, I can work with you. It doesn't matter if it takes you six months, I can work with you. Um. Second, um, a student that understands it's going to require a process, like there's a process to a, achieve a certain goal. Um and I don't want to say these things are required at the front end. And let me explain, because I wanna say optimism, because I've had students where after studying with me, their entire mindset has changed. Yeah. So The only thing that would stop me, quote unquote, from accepting a student into my program or from working with the student. Let me think about this. Honestly, the only thing that would stop me is if a student is not willing to work. That's the only Mm. thing. If a student wants it given to them and they don't want to work for it, I say, hey, I'm not the teacher for you. But if you're willing to work. I'm the one for you. Mm-hmm. um i've had students that have come to me one student in particular i mentioned her actually in my last youtube video so if she hears this hey machio um <laughs> she's from japan when machio first started with me she was um not feeling good about herself mm-hmm. her english um speaking ability she understood very well but she had a in her opinion a too thick of an accent to speak english well and she was feeling bad about herself but i told her listen it's okay just continue trying. It's okay. Fast forward, she's one of the student leaders in our in my academy. Mm. Like she leads other students and she's encouraging them. So that's why I say there's no real reason for me to reject a student. The yeah. only type of student that I'm more apprehensive to take on is a student that is one that does not want to work hard at all. If yes. you're not willing to work, I can't help you.
1: And can you can you talk a little bit about that? You mentioned your academy, and I also saw that you have your own like. English learning app and everything. Like you, like you said, you're doing a lot for one person. You know what I mean? So can you tell me a little bit about how that works exactly and what does what made you go from just making the videos to opening up an academy and like creating your own application?
2: Tony, it all goes back to my one desire to help people. Mm. So with the YouTube channel, I continue I kept getting comments. I want to know more. I want to study with you. I want to study with you. Can you help me more? So that's what led me to open the Academy um, because the Academy gives me the opportunity to go deeper and to help mm-hmm. more students. YouTube is a great, it's once a week though. It's once a week, maximum 15, 20 minute lesson. Yeah. But in my Academy, when students become members, they get lessons every single day, right? There's a one program where it's a daily lesson for them. There's another program where I literally teach them how to talk like you and I, mm-hmm. um, when they're on the advanced level. So it gave me the opportunity to help more and man, Tony, the the lives that have been changed, students amaze me. So students are always coming in saying, Tiff, you've changed my life. I said, I need you all to understand how amazing you are. Mm -hmm. So many of my students speak multiple languages. They come into the academy already speaking three languages, four, five, six languages, depending on what country they're from. And so I tell them, my job is just to give you a tool. I'll give you this tool, but you're the one that's going to take this tool and literally change your life. So I've had students, one of my students, um, she's a judge in Haiti. She's probably, I I don't know her exact age, but she's a judge in Haiti. And when she came to my academy, she said, you know, I'm a little nervous when I have to go to my daughter's school. My daughter goes to an English speaking school in Haiti. um, And I always have to have an interpreter. Like she's, a diplomat to going to other countries, but she always needed an interpreter. And she said it always made her feel, you know, not insecure, but not good about herself. Right. She was in my, she's still in my program now, one of the student leaders. She was with me for, I think, three months. And in that three month period, she no longer needed an interpreter. She travels the world without an interpreter. She goes to her daughter's school now with out an interpreter. She interprets for other people. She's been at a, at an airport and had the airport personnel contact her to interpret for a large group of people that could only speak French. Like this is all happening in this short amount of time. And when I hear these stories, I always want the students to realize it's not me. You were already amazing. I just helped you see it for yourself. There's no way one teacher can teach you In three months, the amount of English you need to no longer need an interpreter. The fact of the matter is you already knew so much. I just came and helped you be more confident in yourself. I just came and basically unlocked your potential. And Mm. I'm on the sidelines whenever you need me. And again, I'm teaching them still, but I'm helping them realize how amazing they are. And again, that goes back to my desire to help people. People are amazing. And I've realized so much that English literally holds people back many times they go from being insecure but once they can speak English I mean <laughs> she's one of the most confident students in my academy now mm-hmm. literally leading other students and encouraging them and when she first came she was kind of quiet but that's not who she is yep. that wasn't who she was but because of English she was kind of closed in now the floodgates have opened and exactly. it's just beautiful to watch so that's why I'm still passionate now you mentioned at the beginning, like. Tiffany, we can see through the video, like you're just optimistic. I literally get up every day excited to do what I'm doing. Even now, I'm excited every day because I'm watching these students literally transform just from something small that I'm doing for them. So mm-hmm. why would I ever stop if I can change so many lives and watch them affect other people? So
1: Incredible, man. And I think part <laughs> of like it's like... I see it as two things. One is like the power of the internet these days is just Mm -hmm. insane that you can set up your camera and reach millions of people with Mm -hmm. a message that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten ever in life. But then somebody like you, this is why I want to talk to you because with just so much passion and positivity, Mm -hmm. a lot of times just that. Is enough to convince a student, you know what? I am gonna keep trying. You know what? I yes. can do it. And then they stick with it just long enough for them yes. to get over that initial hump. And then they're yes. like, oh damn, it wasn't even that hard. I just needed to believe in myself first. And like yes. even when I watch videos, I'm like, I just feel better. You know what I mean? Like you start <laughs> smiling and just all that positivity comes through. You're like, damn, I'm gonna have a good day now. So I know that's something that students really, really, really appreciate because I remember when I was in school. You know how it is in the States, in many places you go, like students are underpaid or not students, teachers are underpaid. They come into the classroom and they're just like waiting for lunch and then they're waiting for the three o'clock bell, and then they go home. And a lot of students fall out of love with learning for that reason. So people like yourself, I'm sure, help them fall back into love with learning. So it's really, really cool what you're doing. And one thing that I'm curious about as well is kind of like away from teaching. What is Tiffany into when she's not teaching? Like that second week of the month when you're trying to mm-hmm. decompress, recharge the batteries. What other mm-hmm. stuff what are you interested in or what do you like to do?
2: Great question, Tony. So in that week, the decompressing week, um, I, I enjoy exercising. So I Good. like to exercise. I love um, sports. I love being with family and friends. My other passion, though, is Bible study. So I believe that so many people are looking for something, right? Everyone is searching for something. And again, just from my personal experience of studying God's word on my own and the passion people see, the joy they see on my face. I'm like any other person, good days and bad days, yet and still, I'm able to have a smile on my face every day because of the joy that comes from my relationship with God. And I've realized there are so many people in the world that don't have that joy. So again, it goes back to my desire to help as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. So during that week, my quote unquote break week, I'm spending time diving into God's word, trying to figure out, hey, how can I make this interesting to someone in 2023, the current year? How can I make this applicable to our life right now, to what's happening in America or in different parts of the world? So that we can understand it, and so that people can actually experience this joy that literally fills my soul, and I want someone else to have the same joy. So, I actually have another YouTube channel that, during my off time, I've kind of started and trying to get it up and running. It's um, I don't, I don't know if I can say it or not. Please, I'll say it please, if I of
1: course, of course, yeah,
2: it's. Tugil, uh, T-W-O-G-I-L. And it literally stands for the word of God is life. So Tugil, the word of God is life. And the entire goal of that channel is just once again, telling stories from the Bible, going through the Bible literally verse by verse and making it interesting and seeing how we can apply it to our lives today with the end goal just being, hey, this word has really brought joy to my life and Mm. the relationship I have with God for those that are interested or would like to know more about God let me share with you I'm happy to share it so yes in my free time when I'm not teaching English I'm trying to teach those about God's word and let them fall yeah. in love with it
1: amazing man it's amazing <laughs> like you can't even even when you're supposed to be resting you're like you know how can I make more use of this time to help more people and you you really do just seem to have like teaching in your blood you have whatever's on your mind or on your heart you just want to share it with other people man it's really interesting what you said too about the fact that everybody's searching for something because yeah. i mean i don't know how much time you spend on social media but i'm sure mm-hmm. you know there's not let me say this there's a lot of negative influences a lot of negative messages and yes. it's easy to get caught up in that world and addicted to that world strangely enough and it seems like a lot of people are just left empty after hours of scrolling on the phone yes. and they don't really know where to go or what to do they don't have the best social exactly. life They might not come from the strongest or tightest knit family. Mm -hmm. And I had another guy, his name is uh, Michael Butler. He's a pastor. And he talked more or less about the same thing, which is like a lot of young people these days don't even understand or comprehend the idea of God. They weren't even Mm -hmm. really formally introduced to it. And he also Mm -hmm. spreads that message of like, I'm not going to force it on you, but you could really benefit from getting closer to the word of God and find something that's much more substantial. To mm-hmm. cling to in your life because we all go through ups and downs and good times and bad times and he yeah. really believes I'm sure like you that a solution could be for many people is just learning to walk in faith you know what I mean so yeah. two Gil T mm-hmm. W O G I L is the name of yep. the channel excellent yep. excellent to all good. right So yeah. you, well, I know that you got to get out of here I want to thank you so much for this interview it was really, it's really really good pleasure. I'm really glad I got to talk to you as well and I'm sure people who hear this are gonna love to learn more about you so. Keep doing your so. thing, man, because it's awesome. Thank you it's again. Awesome. I
2: really appreciate it. I enjoyed the conversation too, Tony.
1: 100%. All right, we're going to get out of here, y'all.